Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, from the old world and the new. My name is Joe Fortunato. I am joined by Michael Murphy and Beth Macklin. And this is Bantering the Bleacher. And we are streaming directly into your ear. How are you two doing today? I'm fine. I'm worried about you guys, but I'm fine. Interesting. Beth, how are you doing? I'm all right. Uh, I'm all right. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. We do have a very interesting show today. We have a bunch of things to talk. <coughs> Excuse me. We have a bunch of things to talk about. Before we talk about them, we have some exciting news. Bantering the Blue Shirts has a sponsor, and that sponsor is Patreon. And then there's another sponsor, a real sponsor, called Blue Apron, which is a company that most of you have probably heard of. Uh, they are a company that will gather fresh ingredients for dinner, give you the directions on how to cook said ingredients, and they will deliver them right to your door. And Blue Apron has been kind enough to send me a free, uh, it looks like a free week of meals, actually. It's three meals in there, and my wife and I have eaten two of them, and they were very good, and they were very simple. And here's the deal. I'm going to tell you what the deal is. Basically, for less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron will deliver seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Every week is a different menu item. So this week we had... Uh, chicken enchiladas and burgers, and then I think there's a shrimp and pasta dish. Next week is like cumin-crusted pork and udon noodles and fettuccine with basil. So uh, every week is a little bit different. I know. It's very good food. And you don't have to go to the food store. You don't have to cook anything. I think the only thing they don't give is like salt and pepper. Everything else comes to your door. And it's fresh, and they delivered it in two enormous ice packs, and I kept the ice packs because that's how good the ice packs were. And I'm cheap and frugal, and I wanted them. Um, <laughs> check out this week's menu and you get your first three meals for free with free shipping. So just go to blueapron.com slash blue shirt, not blue shirt banter, not bantering the blue shirts, just blue shirt. Um, you'll definitely love how good it feels to taste and to create really makes you feel like a chef, incredible home cooked meals. And that's again, blueapron.com slash blue shirt. Um, you sign up, you're going to get six meals. You have to pay for three of them and it's 30 bucks, but you get the other three for free, and you're getting three free meals. So uh, I would do it. I, I know you know some of you are married. You come home late from work. You have wives who maybe cook. My wife happens to cook these two meals, or maybe you just want a little something or to put husband. together nice for yourself or a husband. <laughs> sure, maybe the husband cooks. Um, and it is nice to have, instead of going food shopping, you just have everything delivered right to your door. Every ingredient, like from the garlic to the basil or whatever it is. And as I said, they have been really good. So Go to blueshirtbanter.com or blueshirtbanter.com. Go to blueapron.com slash blueshirt. A lot of blue. <laughs> blueshirtapron.com. Yeah. <laughs> you can pick your recipes. You can do whatever. 
they're Blue all the food is from room. sustainable environments, and they delivered, I think, 99% of the continental United States. So no matter where you are listening to Blue Shirt Panther, you can get Blue Apron. So one more time, blueapron.com slash blue shirt. Go do it. You support us, and you get to eat really good food. And I don't see any way that that's not the greatest thing in the world because who doesn't love food? So, uh, we also so Joe, have to – sir. Well, let me interrupt you. Are you saying that technically we could use Blue Apron – as an ice pack getting racket. Like, if you're one of those people who wants to assemble a large amount of ice packs. You could. You absolutely could. My God. You could, you could build a city of them, basically. You just keep ordering week by week, and the next thing you know, you have an ice pack city. Frankly, I never have enough ice packs around. And, you so. know, when you watch the Rangers and you throw your fist into the wall, you may need an ice pack to ice <laughs> Those things uh, are no. so you don't know. Uh, also, patreon.com slash blue shirt banter. You should do that too because that helps us. Anthony Viola, Dan Flinch, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeGen, Michael Silvers, Trevor Kempner, Thomas Osa, Alexander Thornton, Nicholas Forlenza, Dan Carosi, Taylor Ryder, John J. Porter, Armiel Kissiner, and Zachary Zetlin are the fine folk who have helped donate Ooh. and make this show a better place. I have to add one more person actually. Igor Dolovsky. So look at that. Uh, All of you people are awesome. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. BlueApron.com slash Blue Shirt. And that is enough of that. Let's talk about the new oh, hold Rangers. On. Go ahead. Did you say Igor as in Igor? Igor? Sure, Igor. You want yeah. to hear a funny story about an Igor? I went to Italy and I went to Venice and I decided I was going to take a romantic gondola ride. And my gondolier was named Igor. Igor yeah. the gondolier? Would you, would you expect that? I want to write a short Igor story about Igor the gondolier. You should write a short story about it. <laughs> all right, here's Hill the thing you all wanted to talk over about. His uh, as you all know, if you donate to Patreon, if you don't donate to Patreon, you can do this too. But if you donate to Patreon, you, you kind of get first dibs. Uh, you guys get to ask us what you would like us to talk about. And almost everybody said the Elaine Mignot extension. The head coach signed a two-year extension. He is in the fourth of a fifth-year deal this year, bringing him under contract to 2020. I have a lot of thoughts on this, um, but I've spoken <laughs> for the first six minutes of the show, so I will let Beth give her thoughts first. Oh, we all know Beth's thoughts, but Beth will ask her questions. Um, and by the way, Igor the Gondolier is the B-side to poor Jimmy B.C. Um, in oh, our- I like it. Yes, in the Blue Shirt Banter musical releases, which we will tell you more about shortly. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I just have questions. I have questions about why this happened now. I don't understand why the organization didn't wait to see what happened in the playoffs, which you'd think would be uh, significant to them in what call or choice they wanted to make at this point. Even if we're not talking about him being fired, but I don't think any of us expected him to not only be extended, but also get a raise before we see if this team is even going to, again, sort of drag itself over the threshold into the playoffs, um, much less make it out of the first round. Um, So he seems kind of bulletproof right now. And, uh, you know, when you're in the mood for some bullets, it's a little (laughs) infuriating. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take right now is why now, 
which is not a take, it's a question. But anyway, Mike? Um, I think the, the thing that a lot of people were wondering, you know, obviously it came during the, the All-Star break, but the timing of it feels really peculiar. Um, you know, it's, it was also ironic that, you know, he this first game, you know, with after the, the news of the extension came against uh, the coach that he replaced in New York, who, uh, you know, was given, you know, kind of similar, you know, uh, limited success, I guess you would call it, but didn't, you know, wouldn't have been given uh, the sort of extension. So it's uh, it's an interesting thing to see where Vino kind of stands in the eyes of the Rangers front office. And apparently they must really, really like what he's doing because now, you know, he's, he's going to be here, I think, through 2019-2020. So, you know, it's, it's a two-year extension, and it's also a raise. And, uh, you know, whether or not the Rangers intend that to be a statement, it will be a statement to fans and also the team itself. So um, an interesting thing from the Post article about it was, you know, mentioning that he's been quicker to bench players this year and that he's found some success integrating uh, some young guys in the lineup. But, you know, I don't know, you know, if if either of those things are points to be celebrated um, just because, you know, I don't want to go over the same points we seem to go over every every podcast. But, you know, benching the right players, you know, and demoting the right guys and all that is, I know Joe, you know, was more or less weeping on, on Twitter earlier <laughs> today when he saw Bucinavich's uh, ice time. Um, I, that's a, yeah, I guess that's a good launching off point for you, Joe, if you want to give your two cents on it. Um, I will give my two cents on it. But before I give my two cents on it, I just want to say that uh, Katie – uh, she's at twitter.com slash S-O-P-D-E-T. is a good friend of the site. She's listening with her father. She can't get into the chat oh, room. Oh, hello. I feel like I should mention that. Katie! As I, as I call Katie supporter, supporter, and Blue Shirt Banter supporter. And her father, I'm going to assume, is as well. And if he's not, then he will be because one of the podcasts him a shout-out ever. None. I will say none of them. Um, Beth, I like your wording of this. Which is peculiar. Uh, 50s, no, yours was terrible, awful. I don't even know what to say. Um, <laughs> 50 brings up a good point in the chat, uh, which is a point that I'm going to bring up in an article that's going to be posted tomorrow about this, which is in the coaching world, the uh, coach's extension means nothing. There is no cap hit. There is no penalty. The only thing that this extension does in logistical terms, something you can really grab and, and touch, is that Dolan needs to spend more money if the Rangers are going to fire Vigneault. They can fire him tomorrow. This doesn't change anything. There's no cap penalty. There's no, there's no nothing. So in that regard, I shrug my shoulders at this move. Whatever. Dolan has enough money for a million head coaches. Hire all of them. Fire all of them. It's not my money. I don't care. Um, <laughs> however, under the surface, the timing is a little strange. We've seen the Rangers regress from Stanley Cup finalists to... Eastern Conference finalists to last year's first-round blowout. And there was a sense uh, among everybody that Vigneault's leash was a little bit shorter, that his seat was a little bit warmer. 
And I will say, with the amount of injuries the Rangers have had to deal with, there has been a level of success that you should be pleased with this year. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the type of success we were seeing towards the end of Tortorella, where the team was almost winning in spite of what was in front of them. But there is a level of success here. But I don't know how you tell the world, hey, this guy's done a good enough job that, you know, we're going to give him two more years before he's even in the last year of his contract. Uh, I, I totally understand the regular season success. I totally understand the, the level of, I guess, calm that Vigneault brings to this team. And I, I do sympathize with the media, believe it or not, that they like him because he makes their jobs a lot easier. And as a result, they make his job a lot easier. But we don't play that game, at least not in the blogger world. And I don't love the idea of saying the Vigneault, in the blogger world. The street to the blogger world. I don't love the idea of saying to Vigneault, you've made a lot of mistakes. You've made a lot of critical mistakes. We still haven't seen any adaptations on the defense. Your offensive strategies continue to be puzzling. You, you've had a goaltender who in his prime has literally carried you to success in New York. And he seems to be someone that you're isolating for blame and more importantly, you're still doing a lot of the things that got you fired in Vancouver. And I don't know how that feels. I'm not in the locker room. I can't pretend to tell you what I think the players think about or what they, they want to say. And, uh, I, you know, I would assume that the guys like Girardi and Klein and Stahl and Nash and the old school GS for Foss especially – the old school guys or the AV favorites are very happy that he's around and they probably like him a lot. And I would think the, the McElraths, the Edoms, the Adam Clendennings, the Oscar Lindberghs and the Kevin Hayes maybe. And, you know, depending on the year, the Anthony Duclairs are not happy that he's still around and player development was a big part of Vigneault's issues in Vancouver. And I think he hasn't had as much of an issue in New York in that regard, but you are starting to see how the rope can fray a little bit with him. I mean, Mike brought it up. Bushnevich played 10 minutes and 40 seconds yesterday in a game where the Rangers desperately needed offense. That's terrible. And the reason that was the case was because he moved VC off the fourth line and would not move fast down to the fourth line, so he put Bushnevich down there. That's not good coaching. I don't, I don't care. I'm an, arc, I'm an armchair coach in, in a lot of regards, and I would say – Anybody who writes or thinks about the team in any capacity that doesn't work for them is. But to me, that seems like a blatant misuse of talent. And once again, I've spoken too long. Mike, you can comment on me commenting on things. <laughs> I like to think I'm more of like a, a Shays Lounge coach. Like very relaxed, <laughs> indifferent most of the time. Um, and, uh, Go on. <laughs> no, yeah, I thought you were saying something there. Um, it's it's a it's a strange thing for me to uh, to get too worked up about the extension because, like you said, Joe, and like uh, George pointed out in the chat, it's it doesn't really matter to anyone but Dolan. And if it, you know, if he has to cut the strings on Vino a little early, you know, maybe he doesn't get a big amp for his band that he had his eyes on. You know, so I don't know. Other than the, you know, the statement and kind of the, you know, the the intangibles aspect of it, and that is the part that I think people are worked up about, and we saw Rangers social media get 
you know, get worked up about. And I think it's it's understandable, especially because, you know, if we trace the, you know, connect the dots from last year to this season, I don't think the team's gotten any better. Um, you know, I know that some aspects of the team have certainly gotten better. And, you know, the I don't even know if you compare – you know, what the record was last year, this year, what it would be like. I'm sure the Rangers have probably won a couple more games this year. But um, if you just watch the team, you know, without diving into the, you know, the analytics and getting into, you know, possession numbers and any of that stuff and expected goals and goals for and goals against, the Rangers just don't look good. And even, you know, against the Blue Jackets, Six consecutive even strength goals against is that's brutal, especially for a team that you could be facing in the first round of the playoffs. You just you can't, and it's, this is not a team the Rangers are unfamiliar with. And I know that you know the some fans would be quick to point out you know Monkless soft goal after Ranta went in. Ranta had worse numbers in that game than Hank did. He faced I think ten shots and he allowed three goals. And, take a wild guess who got the blame. Yeah, and that's and in fact because the Rangers, you know, picked up three goals, you know, it was a no decision for Hank in terms of his his record. Uh, he didn't earn the loss, but you know, the the four goals that came in the third period, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, it started with a Bronx cheer at the Garden when uh when VC had that, I don't even know what you want to call that call that goal. Boy, just needed it, as Joe pointed out. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it was one of those, like, he was receiving a lateral in football and he wasn't ready for it, and that's what uh, Corpus Allo looked like. He just kind of bumbled the puck into his own net. Um, but, you, you know, like, I don't know, you know, if there's anything to take away from the game um, and, you know, from the team with – you know, scoring four consecutive goals in the third period sounds good, all even strength, but Columbus just stopped trying. You know, Tortorella called the timeout, and, you know, he had to wake his team up. And, you know, this is a team that, you know, just extended its head coach and, you know, a sign of confidence. And St. Louis, you know, Hitchcock just got the axe. So you think about, like, the climate of expectations in New York and, you know, how there's such a high demand for success when you're when you're behind the bench and it's really it's really peculiar timing, but um, you know, as you pointed out, it's not something I think to get too worked up about. I think the, the problems on you know going on on the ice are, are a big deal, so I don't know. You know, all those fun things. Beth, do you have something to add? I guess I'm just struck by you know, and it's always weird because you have like a history every season of the time you felt like this way because this was happening. And then, you know, six games later, you don't even remember feeling that way. I'm just trying to remember back to when we were like, wow, you know, when we have Nash and Bush and Zibanejad back, you know, this team is just going to destroy everything in its path and they will outscore the defense because they were winning without those guys. And I feel like it's been worse somehow since they got back in a strange way, even the games they've managed to win. And I don't know what that is. That's why this team baffles me. 
you would think that getting a line like that back would just could only be a plus, you know. They could only play better from that point forward. And we just really, I mean, we really have not gently seen that. I'm not sure we've consistently seen anything except defensive problems, frankly. Um, It just seems like they just can't get their stride or get their, you know, there's, but it's, it's strange that things seem more unraveling and unpredictable now than almost than they did at the beginning and middle of the season to this point. Um, But, that is a and good I point. just, I can't figure that out. Um, I believe we have an old friend on the line. I'm going to say this is Michael from Nevada. I may be wrong. Um, but whoever you are, you are on Bands in the Blue Shirts. Who is this? <laughs> it is Michael from Nevada. How are uh, you guys see, doing? I knew it. Hey. How are you doing, buddy? I feel like we have one listener hey. in Nevada, and, and it's you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, I, I kind of was really perplexed that they re-signed him to a contract extension. I don't know how much New York thinks about this, and I'm sure the Ranger Brass actually does, and obviously we all know Dolan has deep pockets. But one of the advantages to signing Vigneault to an extension would be assuming they fire him. He's got a couple choices. He can take the money under the contract and not do anything or get a job as a talking head on NHL Network or Comcast or wherever he'd want to go. But in order for him to get another hockey job, that club would actually have to come to the Rangers and ask permission to talk to him. So I don't know if it's kind of a defensive move on the team's part that, hey, for the next three years he can either take the money under the contract um, and have us dictate where he can and can't go, or if he wants to just forego the money under the contract, then he can obviously sign with anybody. But if he's you know been made the third highest paid coach in the league, um, you know that's a lot of money to turn down if he you know wants to go to another team. So that's a great point, actually, and. Um... I want to get into that a little bit. Uh, Was that all you had? I don't know why. Black Talk Radio is giving me issues when we have a fourth person in the call, so I'm getting a kickback. No, I I don't want to just hang up on you. When when you guys were joking about Beth wanting to lick someone's face, I was really concerned from a legal standpoint that Beth is your attorney. Please don't do that. Are you an attorney? That was a while ago. Yeah, we always have disclaimers of some kind. Um, no, and I know it was a while ago, good. but still, I I just cringed every time I read this, that. This is important. Um, you are just, you are an attorney, then. Yes. You are the official attorney of bantering the blue shirts, and it is now your responsibility. Well, I don't know if I'm get the official attorney. attorney. <laughs> There's lots of attorneys. Not a good. Not a good. Listen, I've spoken to three blue agents now every once in a while. Spoken like a true attorney, though, well, I don't know if I want to get involved with these shenanigans, which is very smart. I would not want to get involved with this yeah. either. But, but, um, shuffling but I mean, I, think, I think, you know, I think the team obviously, you know, has some interest in, you know, if, if Vigneault goes to I mean, obviously, I don't think they'd want to see him go to the, the Islanders, you know, and be the coach there. Um, no, that's a, that's I don't a know, great maybe point. They, maybe, from 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 our cynical standpoint, maybe we would want to see him go to the Islanders and screw things up there as bad as he has here. But you know, I think from the team standpoint, 
they'd like to make sure that he probably doesn't go to a competitor. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm gonna let you go so I stop getting these like these kickbacks on this. But listen, because I do want to talk about that. Thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. Okay, spread, thank you guys. I appreciate you Nevada. guys doing the show. Well, thanks for calling. Tell everybody <laughs> that we're All good right. out there in Bye-bye. Nevada. Thank you. Um, so what Michael was saying is that's an that is a really interesting point. Um, the In the event that you (laughs) sign a head coach, right? So Vigneault is signed through 2020 now. If the Rangers fired him tomorrow, he stays on their payroll. He signed a contract. They owe him that money. There is no buyout. And other teams would have – is someone microwaving something? Yes, my my brother and roommate is, yeah. Is it it Connor? No, it's my brother Patrick. In case you heard boopity-boop-boop. Um, he hung his head in the stream and walked past. If it was yeah, good. If it was Connor, I would have been very upset. Um, the the point is that the Rangers do control their destiny here because they pay Vigneault. Other teams would have to ask the Rangers' permission to speak to him. And like he said, say the Islanders are looking for a coaching change, or you know the Devils are for whatever reason, they'd have to ask the Rangers for permission and the Rangers could control their own destiny in that regard. Um, or Vigneault would have to forego the money, which I guess he could do too. But I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the new CBA does not allow uh, you to get compensation for coaches anymore, correct? I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I'm very, I'm very bad it's, at the CBA. It, it, it sounds stupid. It's it's one way or the other. He either can or can't. So I like the thought yeah. of that though, that the Rangers would be that Jeff Gordon would be that savvy to say, listen, we're going to play with Dolan's money, but we also want to control where he can and can't go moving forward. And um, I don't know if Vigneault can break that himself. Uh, I don't know if he can. He might not be able to. And uh, Michael, who may or may not be the official lawyer of Blue Shirt Panther, has ordered Beth not to lick anyone's faces, but. You don't have to lick the face. You just, <laughs> I say we make him. I say we make him. I do think lawyer. that was the night I was plastered, and I do think that was that the Lunkin night or the butter of, off a duck? The threat of licking was intended to be hyperbolic, a hyperbolic assumption that I would not have to. And, and as British we all recall, he did come through. No one got licked. Um, yes, yeah, baby Shay did good. I am an soon. upstanding member of several communities, not counting this one. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I Jack McKenna definitely who, uh, didn't mean to disturb anybody. And we'll, except for Bridget we'll who she was going to lick. Um, keep Jack my McKenna, who tongue to myself have been from fired now on. for the, uh, the picture that he put up of the King celebrating the Stanley cup, but I'm too lazy to do that yet. Uh, just said in the chat room that there is no more compensation for hiring fired coaches. So there's no, um, you know, no opportunities there. But I, I do like the idea that the Rangers would be cunning enough to do that. Uh, Mike, did you speak on that topic? Because I am curious what you have to say. No, I, I was just saying I, I don't know enough about those aspects of the CBA. Um, I would trust, you know, what Jack had to say. Uh, he's good at knowing the minutia on, on things like that and the cap. So um, that is it is a pretty interesting point, but it also – I don't know. It seems like uh, I'm not sure if this was announced with much fanfare or anything, and I'm not sure how, you know, even though he is our official lawyer, I'm not sure if it, how much uh, how much weight or how much stock we want to buy on this particular theory, but 
Um, interesting in that it, in no matter how you look at it, for you know a team that has pockets as deep as the Rangers, it's it's a safe move because all it will ever cost the team is money, and you know and because of that, it's signing him now makes more sense than it might. You know, if if we look at it only in the context of why the heck do you sign him when, you know, the team is clearly flawed and it's, you know, the all-star break and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it is an interesting theory. I think we can all agree that it's just bizarre. And, and it may be something to look no deeper than the surface, just that the Rangers know there's not a ton of options out there coaching-wise and, the devil you know is sometimes better than the devil you don't. And the other big aspect of this, too, is Vigneault is not a bad coach. He's just a coach who doesn't know his limits and can't get beyond some of his blind spots. And if Jeff Gordon does the right thing and gets rid of the toys that Vigneault wants to play with that keep hurting the team, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting rid of Girardi and, and maybe even stall and revamping the defense and then giving it to Vigneault because Vigneault can do good things with it, but it has to get to that point. And Gordon's silence is being duly noted for everybody, especially if the Rangers decide that they're going to be buyers at the deadline, which uh, I think is a a ludicrous assumption at this point. Um, Dave Lozo, who has bounced around a bit, but I think is that, I don't even know where he is right now, but uh, Vice. Some publication. Yeah, he writes a lot for Vice, but yeah, he's kind of. Okay. He said the Rangers should sell the deadline, get whatever they can for anyone, and over thirty because they and they'd still be a playoff team, and I agree with that. But no one's taking Girardi, no one is taking Klein, most likely, and uh, there's not any forward to that. That comes off as a radical idea, but I think it's pretty sound in its assumption. Like I think it makes plenty of sense. But, of course, there are – both Stahl and Girardi have no movement clause, clauses. Uh, Klein, I really have no idea what what sort of trade value Klein would have at this point. Um, you know, looking back to last trade deadline, you know, probably the biggest you – know, Justin Schultz moved uh, to Pittsburgh uh, for, you know, I think it was the third or a fourth-round pick, nothing – nothing too significant and uh, the Chris Russell trade, of course. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what Klein would bring back, but more importantly, probably, you know, are we utterly convinced that, you know, Klein is obviously the, the guy who's most likely to, to be moved just because he doesn't have the, you know, there's no no movement or no trade to to work around. But you know, if that's the case, the Rangers go from their you know seventh defenseman being Clen Denning to the seventh defenseman being who Graves. I mean, to call up uh, who is it, Camfer that we got back in the McElrath trade, right? I guess it would be Camfer. I don't know. That'd be uh, it. May as well be no one. Yeah, and that's my point. <laughs> they get no yeah. one back. Uh, well, the defensive depth of the organization is not exactly inspiring at the moment, but and that makes the you know the kind of bad apples that are here all the more painful and feel all the more heavy on the on the salary cap and on the ice, just because it's 
there's not a lot of kind of hope coming around the corner. I mean, Graves is, <laughs> there's a lot of things interesting about Graves, but he's, you know, I don't think he's someone that people consider to be, you know, an, an NHL ready prospect. That's just kind of biding his time in the AHL. So, um, and in terms of forwards, I think we've talked about it before. There's, there's a whole lot of forwards the Rangers have right now. And I think tomorrow, what is it? Uh, Peary's out and uh, Oscar's back in. So, you know, moving a guy like even, you know, even though he doesn't fit the bill of over 30, moving a guy like Peary just to see what you would get from makes sense, you know. So um, I think last year when he got traded at the deadline, it was like for a, for a fifth or sixth pick, you know, nothing nothing substantial, but I think his stock has arrived since then. Well, there are a bunch of players, the Rangers. I, again, I would love to see what the Rangers could get for Grabner. And I, I still think the Rangers are a playoff <laughs> team. I don't think the Rangers are Stanley Cup contenders this year, unless there's going to be a drastic overhaul to the defense. I don't think they're going to be no matter what they do. So you get rid of Grabner right now. We've got 22 goals on the year. You can get, you can get a killing for him at the deadline. You really can. You, yeah. you could probably least, get a first round pick. A second round pick, maybe two second round picks, or maybe even a first from the right team. I, I, I do see teams would be in a bidding war for him. I mean, if the team thinks they're going to win the Stanley Cup, look at what the Rangers were willing to give up for Yandel. And obviously Yandel had a much better track record in terms of offense than Grabner, but all you need in the playoffs is a guy to be hot. And right now Grabner is red hot. So why wouldn't you take a look at it? And he'll kill penalties. Yeah. And the Rangers would be a worse team without him, but they would not be worse enough to the point where they're going to miss the playoffs. And even if they do, it's not because of Grabner. It's because of the defense. Yeah. It's because of but the... who can even tell what makes them a worse and a better team at this point? That's kind of what I was saying before. Well, then Yo um, can't because he's still not playing Klein. <laughs> he's still putting Klein and Girardi out there, and he still seems to blame Henrik Lundqvist about everything. Oh, by the way, he got an extension, so there's that. Go ahead, Beth. Oh, my. So... No, I, I was actually going to I, – I saw this around, didn't get to go deeply into it. So because McElrath got sent down, we don't get the not great but something pick that was part of the deal yeah, for it, him. It, it would have been Because a, he didn't play 30 games or something. It would have been like a seventh round pick. I, he played 24 of the 30 games, and Florida was like, no. Um, but again, this is not uh, – like people throw that back in our face. And it bothers me because the point is not that Dylan McElrath or Adam Clendenning, for that matter, are world beaters or going to change much of anything. They're just better options than what the Rangers have out there right now. And that is a a fact that goes overlooked uh, continuously with this coaching staff. And I don't know who to put the blame on It was pretty hard to overlook it last night. That's the deal. Was it though? Because he turned around and Klein is starting again tomorrow. Girardi <laughs> is scored a goal. Again. If you, wow. if I, never in a million years would I have guessed that Klein and and DC would have gotten that started. <laughs> but it doesn't it, like I that. The, the Klein goal is an excuse for people who are like, oh well, that's why he's giving him another chance. No, it, it's just it's something that he can point to. Klein was starting yeah. regardless. Yeah. And. Oh, I no, see. I well, Klein was, Klein was well, the whole of the we're last welcoming, few years. 
We're welcoming Jack to the show, even though he should have been fired. Jack, hello. Hi, Jim. Hi, Mike. Hi, Beth. Hi. You are. You have quite a bit of nerve calling into this show. You know how many people yell at me? Yeah, I think I'm probably getting one right now. He's also a Patriots fan, which... uh, Wait, I thought we were talking about negative traits. What? Yeah, okay. Do you want to get hung up on, or are you just going to allow this to wash over don't uh, don't come to that, Mike. Go ahead. Whatever you were saying before, Jack rudely interrupted all of us. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm kind of lost in a, a damn a burning sea of fury here. Um, no, but uh, it's I think the the interesting thing about Klein is that in many ways he's kind of he's kind of a Holden before Holden arrived. Holden <laughs> uh, looked it up the other day. He has I think the third highest even strength shooting percentage of any defenseman in the league. I think it's Jason Demers and uh, Ryan Ellis do have higher. Just I think Holden's shooting like 11% at even strength. It's fantastic. And as we all know, Klein, you know, when he first became a Ranger, it was one of those things like, hey, what the hell? He's scoring goals. And hey, what the hell? You know, he's not so bad. And, you know, he was paired with guys who weren't, uh, you know, necessarily black holes. And, you know, he was one of those guys who kind of exceeded expectations because, you know, expectations were pretty reasonable, and he had this kind of cap-controlled contract, and, you know, there is a very different feel and expectation for him, and above all else, he was a right-handed, right-side defenseman that wasn't Dan Girardi. So it was very easy to be, you know, excited about Klein, but what we've seen this year is so different. Um, you know, that goal was his first goal of the year, and you know, it's it's not about goals and assists for defensemen, obviously, all the time. But, you know, for as many just infuriating, you know, blooper reels of Girardi dropping to a knee or having his to James, James Van Riemsdyk when he's all alone on the doorstop bearing a goal, Klein is, you know, three-fourths, three blooper reel is three-fourths as long. You know, he makes a lot of really goofy mistakes that, you know, I don't know if we just hadn't noticed him or if he's, you know, being exposed a little bit more now. But it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a problem. And it's one of those things that I think has been a big part of the problem this year is, you know, we didn't expect great things from Sloan Girardi. And, you know, we had very, very reasonable expectations for Shea. Um, and, you know, I think I think it's fair to say that Shea has, either matched or exceeded expectations. I think he's very quietly had a very good rookie season, especially for a D. And, you know, we looked at, look at what Klein's done this year, and there's, there's not a lot to like. I mean, it's, it's far and away Holden has been better than Klein, and that's, that's kind of a goofy thought. Um, I never would have thought that would have been the case at the beginning of the year. Um, that might just go to show how much I know, but yeah, I think, you know, Klein is getting paid, you know, 1.5 million more per year than, uh, than Holden. So I think his, the decline in his player, whether or not it's a true decliner or if we're just noticing it is a huge part of the defense's problems, but I'll let Jack uh, ruin everything and, and talk now. Well, Jack, before you speak, I just want to make one very quick point to your point, Mike, and that's, if Holden was not scoring at the clip that he was scoring at to this point, would the perception of him be wildly different than it is right now? Because that ended up being what saved Klein from people thinking 
oh, this guy is, is not doing his job. Yeah, he's, he's in the red in possession, year. but everyone but Clendenning is. Um, his, you know, his, his numbers are not awful, but the counting stats he has obviously go a long way towards helping. And, you know, he's one of those guys who just seems to just pick up all these even strength points. And, you know, he's, you know, assists and secondary assists and, you know, there's a span of a couple of games where it seemed like every shot he put on net would either be tipped or, you know, the rebound would get slammed home or he would get a goal. And he just looked at him and who the hell is this guy? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, no, it's, it's a fair point, Joe. It's, I don't know if we would be as gangbusters about Holden, if not for the fact that he's shooting 11% of even strength, but it's kind of the same thing that happened when so many Rangers fans fell in love with uh, Klein, you know, before he looked like Tom Cruise's stunt double from the last Samurai movie. Go ahead, Jack. You can, you can now speak. I'm just about the defense or about selling to the deadline or what are we going with here? Cause I don't know. The you last Samurai. What do you like yeah, you tell us. Speak. I don't know. I mean, like I'm with, I, don't know, I think I'm with Joe. I really don't think this team is capable of going on a run with the defense as yeah, it right. is. Like, maybe if you make a move for someone, like someone for, like, Franson or Shattenkirk, something like that, then maybe you can do something with that. Like, the Blues obviously fired Hitchcock today, so Shattenkirk's probably going to be more available. So if you can maybe ship Klein out, limit Girardi's minutes, and get someone like Shattenkirk in here, then I think there's a chance. But if you're not bringing like an A++++ defenseman like him in here, you're better off just selling it and taking a run next year. Get everyone healthy. Get a revamped blue line or just go from there. Yeah, get Shattenkirk in free agency, yeah. Yeah. And one of the main reasons why people are so opposed to that line of thinking is more than likely the Henrik Lundqvist factor that some people who aren't crabs feel an, an emotional tie to a guy who has brought the Rangers to where they are right now. And he's kind of being treated like a piece of crap. And I said this on the last show, I have to live with the, the decisions that I make in terms of the stances that I take and, and not be kind of wishy-washy on it. And it, I don't care about the things that Girardi did in the past, for example, in terms of paying him today and tomorrow. So if it does come to the point where Lundqvist is over the hill and aging and there's no more light in that tunnel, then the Rangers need to do what's best for the Rangers, as much as that may be a difficult or hurtful thing to do. And I don't think we've seen that yet. I know we haven't seen the proof that we would need to see to get to that point, but it behooves the Rangers not to rebuild, but to restructure. You're not going to get rid of Girardi without buying him out. No one's going to take him. Vegas isn't going to take him unless you trade Vegas assets to take him. And who's going to do that? You could maybe get rid of Klein with the bounce back year stall has had. You might be able to get rid of him. And that may be a good idea considering you are expecting him to fall off the cliff at some point too, as he gets a little bit older. Um, you move Grabner, which you can do. You move Peary or Pumple if you can. But Grabner specifically would be an enormous haul back. And you see how you structure things out. You get Shattenkirk in the offseason. You try to make a savvy move. If you replace Girardi and Klein with Shattenkirk and replacement-level player, the Rangers are on a totally different level with the offense that they have, the goaltending that they have, and now the defense that they would have. But if you trade for a guy like Shattenkirk – 
and he replaces Klein, say, and it's an enormous upgrade, but Girardi is still getting big minutes at even strength, you're not fixing anything. You're just making the Rangers a little bit better while still leaving an enormous hole in the ship. And I don't know what we would get out of Vigneault. We were talking about this a little bit in the chat before, where I was saying take the toy out of his hand, and people were saying, well, when the Rangers had Yandel, they didn't use him right, and then we kind of were like, oh, well, he also had Girardi, so he didn't really have an option to not use him, and that's, you know, I don't know. I I know it's not necessarily a good thing to say as a podcast host. I don't know what the Rangers want to do. I have no clue. Gordon has been ominously silent this entire process. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't done anything. There really are no rumors for the Rangers at this point. People are linking them to Shattenkirk. <clears throat> Excuse me. A couple of people are linking them to Doan, which uh, for the life yeah, of the me, Doan I don't rumor know. just doesn't make any sense at all. How that makes any sense. It doesn't. We're about to lose all of you guys. Where the hell would he live. play? I, I appreciate all of you listening. We appreciate all of you. Uh, I will give you Thank Jack's you, home address so you can go with pitchforks and torches and take care of him. Just do it without telling the police that I told you, you to do it. You did talk to an attorney tonight, Joe. We, we um, were warned about these. Yeah, but he warned us about licking, not like licking not about specifically. threats of violence that are suddenly veiled. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, but anywho, I, what do the Rangers see themselves as? Uh, Doan, if the Rangers traded for Doan and like it was just for Doan, uh, whoever is involved in that decision needs to be immediately fired. Unless the Coyotes are giving you something to take him, or it's a seventh-round pick, you, there's no I, like I'm twitching right now thinking about it. No, no, it would no, be no, 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 no. <laughs> So yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, when is the? I think a point to bring up just because it's relevant to one of the points you raised before is. On starting on July 1st, Girardi has, you know, the, the change in his contract where he has the, I think it becomes the the modified no trade where he gives the 15 teams um, that he cannot go to. So, uh, you know, in essence, he can shoot, you know, uh, shoot a hole in the plan of, you know, the idea of trading him to Vegas, which I know that some people have talked about as, you know, um, you know, an idea where, you know, you, you, but again, that's, it wouldn't be trading, would it? Never mind. It would be claiming. I got mixed up. Yeah. God, it's so confusing because, like, even, even Stahl is, I think he just has an ironclad no movement. He just won't go anywhere, right? So. Yeah, I do believe he has a full no move. Yeah, and he'd want, he'd have to consent to being moved anywhere which is true of Girardi, and that's also why I think, I don't know if we ever went into it on the podcast, why, you know, there's all the talk about, you know, step on and whether or not to keep him around. But it is definitely a really interesting thing to think of the Rangers being where they are in the standings and, you know, already having, you know, I think 31 wins now and, you know, the idea of them being sellers really doesn't sound that unappetizing. And I think that that speaks volumes about where the team is. Beth? What? 
Oh, okay. I need a question. You guys say good things, but I need to. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what we want to. Uh, what you want to? Uh, <laughs> what we were talking about? No, I know what you were talking about. I'm just not sure what else I have to add. So. Okay, Jack. We need to retune, redirect. I'm kind of in the same thing as Beth. Like, come on, give oh me something. Here. You guys are just going back. Like, come on, <laughs> ask us a question. Don't say talk about it. Like, towards. Exactly. You, yeah. you were on death row. I like you, Jack. I like the cut of your jib. When that is... don't talk about ebbs on this podcast, Beth. It's very. <laughs> what did you like... ask him if he was on I... death row? What would he do? Yeah, no, you didn't let me finish. It's, it's a far less sinister than that. Although, still, he's impending death is certain. What would your last meal be, Jack, on death row? Your your last meal. My last meal. It would be a medium rare sirloin. Medium mm, rare. With all That's the fixings. Mm-hmm. Whole nine yards. Mike, what would yours be? I'm sure you can get Jack's last meal at Blue Apron. You see what I did there, Joe? <laughs> I do. Um, my last meal would be uh, chicken parm, steak fries, and some sort of tunneling device to escape. Okay. Not really a meal, but Beth? Uh, damn, two of my favorite things are already taken, the steak and the chicken parm. doesn't matter. You so, can take it. All right. Well, then I'm going to go on the steak and scalloped potatoes with a lot of cheese and really good Ooh, string beans good with um, butter on them because obviously weight loss is no longer a concern for me in that situation. <laughs> right. You're going to be weightless. Soon enough. Uh, and chocolate for, cake. Ooh, dessert's a good one. Um, I would do... Uh, Probably not. Or is it I just would, like I a think, meal? I would imagine that they do. I haven't been. I've never been. So. Ooh, doing dessert <laughs> wow. as your last meal would be kind of a, a curveball, right? Because what do you care? Dessert, yeah. Yeah, only dessert. Uh, you know I what would my do... order is I would ask for a bunch of rubber to eat. That way I don't conduct electricity. You don't get killed by the electric chair anymore. Well, you could if you're, you know, if there's Depend a time on the state. Well. I mean, yeah. leave it to you to do that in the wrong state, and then you've just eaten a whole bunch of rubber and no last meal. <laughs> and be miserable yeah. and die of some horrible, rare poisoning that no one's died of in years. But yeah, yeah exactly. A, Go out of my own big. terms, I guess. Um, I would do a Caesar salad from Pietro's, which is an amazing New York restaurant that you should all go to. They make unbelievable Caesar salads. And I would probably do their chicken parm as well, because it's one of the best meals oh, I've ever had. So. We could eat together, Jeff. We could. It would be wonderful. Um, interesting. Jack went with the sirloin. Beth brought up the idea of just pure breakfast. Or breakfast. Just Ooh, pure I looked this dessert. up now. A woman who was executed in 1976 uh, simply ate cheese doodles and a Coke. Ooh. I know someone who got like, I, I, I don't know him, but I read about someone who got like Burger King. Wanted like four of the biggest burgers that they had, and just threw it down with like cheese sauce and stuff. So. But anyway, from what I can see, you are allowed to requ- dessert. Does come with your last meal. No, oh, that's. What good. about a shovel or a, some sort of tunneling device? But you can't. You have to eat it there in front of them. I would eat. I would eat a shovel if I had to. How are you going to eat a shovel? <laughs> I'm not sure you have time to pass. One a bite shovel. at a time, like you eat anything. Oh my! Silly question. 
right, Rangers. Um, hmm. Yeah. Fourth Do you have a topic you want to bring up? <laughs> you know, you and Jack started this by not answering the question in the first place, so. We didn't know what the question was. Mm. Well, I, I was really done with my Girardi trade clause thing because I got mixed up that we'd be trading Girardi rather than assets to the Golden Knights or whatever the hell they're going to be called. Is that Was that what? resolved, by the way? What? The whole Golden Knights, and it was uh, an American military unit. And I actually don't know if it was resolved. I'm going to assume it was, though, because they did. If they're not they're the flamingos, still... I'm not interested. The Golden Flamingos? <laughs> that would have been so great. Oh, my God. The Golden Flamingos. Please me. I don't even need the gold. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, I do remember but, what I was going to say, which has anyone else noticed that, that there seems to be more of a reaction cam MSG on MSG on Klein than on Girardi? Because that's led to my feeling that uh, Klein seems slightly more aware and sheepish of exactly how not good he's being. And I think that comes in part from when they show him after things go wrong, he's just got this sort of look like, you know, yeah, Jesus, that was bad. Um, Whereas I'm not sure I've ever seen that look. Either I've never seen that sort of look on Girardi after something like that, or he doesn't get the close-ups after because maybe they're trying to give him space. I don't know. But I've seen several sort of reaction shots on Klein recently that just look like him being like, Jesus, I don't even know why I'm still playing. <laughs> I'm sure uh, that's not what well, I'm thinking. But that it is, is interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. But, you know, even from, you know, in a vacuum, you know, the, the standards you would hold those two players to, you know, just going off of, you know, where they came from and, you know, their their contract and all that. You know, it's Girardi would should be the one who faces more scrutiny. You know, he's you know served as an alternate captain. You know, he he costs so many monies, and you know he's been with the team forever, and that might you know earn him loyalty of the fans because you know all, Rangers fans are often you know myself included are often tricky to figure out with you know why they're loyal to player X and so quick to dismiss or grab the pitchforks or for player Y or Z. But, you know, it's, it's a really weird thing with Girardi this year because his ice time is actually down, um, but he's still paired all the time with McDonough even strength. And he's still used as, you know, McDonough is a couple seconds ahead of him and uh, time on ice average shorthanded, but he's still the guy out there eating all those shorthanded minutes and like to, to try and reach way, way back to, to Jack's point, um, which I know is a stretch folks. Uh, but I can do this sort of stretches thanks to the nutrients I get in my blue apron meal. But it's, it's <laughs> important to, to keep in mind that even if the Rangers did get someone like Shattenkirk or a guy like that came into the picture you know, what What the hell would happen? Would we expect Girardi to not all of a sudden be playing over two minutes of ice time shorthanded every night? 
No, it's not going to happen. The, the, the weaknesses on the defense will still be there. They'll just be hopefully smoothed over. It'll just be like, oh, remember when Yandel was here and things weren't quite so bad? Let's get a guy who's, you know, will make a similar presence in the lineup to Yandel. And that's, I don't think that's going to do it. The brilliance behind the way that A.B. has handled Girardi is that it's gotten to the point when you don't even talk about him anymore. Uh, when I talk about Clendenning coming in for someone, it's Klein. Not because yeah. Klein is any worse than Girardi, but because I know Girardi's not coming out of the lineup. And maybe yeah, that's where – that's probably where Vigneault wanted this to go to because he doesn't answer questions. The media doesn't ask about it. And unfortunately, I'm not in there, and I can't ask <laughs> anything. I can't say anything. They won't let me. So, you know, you, you take an opportunity to just over and over again ignore a problem, and you never call the guy out, and you never do anything, and the next thing you know, people aren't talking about him anymore, and they're only talking about Klein and whatever. So that is sort of where the Rangers are at this point, and that is kind of where I think Vigneault wanted this place to go. I mean – how else could you say it? He he doesn't talk about Girardi. Girardi is what he is, and I don't think any of us seriously believe that he's going to ever sit. Vigneault said Girardi was no. going to sit back-to-backs. Girardi sat one back-to-back. So, you know, there's that. My dog is yeah, and licking to, my to go back to, to Beth's point, and I know this is one of those kind of, you know, there's no empirical evidence. You know, we can't look at every single replay and look for Girardi to make a, like a, oh, I fucked up face. But I don't really see a lot of, you know, a lot of that, oh, sorry, Hank, face from Girardi. I do see it a lot from McDonough where he'll kind of acknowledge Hank's, you know, death stare, you know, that would sell a small <laughs> child, you know, if they made eye contact. But I, I don't really recall seeing Girardi give that look just like, hey, I just left you alone to die and I'm very sorry. Um, I, I think we've seen it from Klein, and I know we've seen it from poor, poor Brady Shea, who, you know, when when he makes a mistake, and he has obviously, you know, because every defenseman will make mistakes, and especially young ones. But it, it's a funny, it's funny you brought that up, Beth, with you know seeing the like the garden vision and seeing you know a replay of Klein just making an incredible goof and you know his reaction and the garden's reaction versus. Not seeing Girardi. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. Hmm. Well, I still think my favorite continues to be the uh, the Clendenning eye roll. <laughs> but, <laughs> reaction. That his eyes have not yeah. rolled out of his head to this point is, I think, a miracle. Yeah. A miracle of modern science or perhaps human anatomy. <laughs> anyway, that's not very Poor specialized talk, but. Beth has uh, entered the, the hidden depths of Klein's emotional heart and is. Uh, he's a sensitive know. man. He wears a man's on sometimes. I'm I, sure I believe that. A sensitive man. I, listen, I, there is he no has one. a tough Volkswagen van. We are very blessed in the regard that there is not a, say, Patrick Kane on the New York Rangers in terms of someone who obviously has been on the wrong side of 
some really horrible things uh, or accused of some dirt bag. Things. Sure. There's there's no one on the Rangers that at least that we know about, and I would like to believe, maybe I'm naive, that there is no one at all. So these are all very likable guys who are great guys in the community, and Tanner Glass was one of the biggest you can play supporters well, in the NHL. Fellows, yeah. I'm sorry? They're a swell bunch of fellows. Yeah, they're a yeah. swell bunch of fellows. So it like there's none of this is, is venom that is born from a belief that these guys don't deserve to be in the NHL or that they've made terrible decisions with their lives or anything like that. It, it, this is about hockey. The ultimate goal is to win the Stanley Cup, period. End of story. So, you know, saying you know a lot. Yeah, personality counted, but... Matt Garath would still be here. That guy was amazing. He was amazing. I wrote a story about Remember him. Remember that 360 cam? And McElrath was the only one who hammed it up. God, God McElrath. Beth is drinking her beer right now even more aggressively. I really wanted the Rangers to claim him when, he, when the Panthers sent well, him down. They should have claimed I, I him just to play him six more games. it would have ruined him. And to get the yeah. pick, but they didn't. So It would have just done. broken his heart, I know. But, God, it would have been great. Um, here's the deal. Mike brought up a really good question that I'm going to ask, and Jack, you are now a part of this. Mike wanted to know right. five non-electronic things you would bring if you were stranded on an island. Non-electronic things? I'm going to say one. One non-electronic thing, what would you bring? Uh, one non-electronic Mike, you've had the most time to think about this. You need to start with this. <laughs> well, one is, one is not good. You need on, diversity. I would do three. The siren is Jack has committed a crime. The police have finally found him. Um, my three things, I'm worried about tipping tipping the hat on what I acknowledge are very good ideas uh, because this is the sort of thing I think about when I should be trying to figure out my life. Um, but I would probably bring a multi-tool, like a Leatherman, um, some sort of uh, water filter device, and uh, a fire starter of some kind, like a Swedish fire steel, or perhaps uh, like a magnifying glass, I suppose. Which I could also use to signal ships if we want to get. Well, if you were, if the goal was to be found, I think a mirror is the number one thing you should ever salvage if you're lost in the desert because it has. You like would 11, choose a mirror, wouldn't you, Joe? Eleven thousand times the uh, the. Illuminosity? Is that a word, Beth? Illuminosity? Luminosity? Luminosity? There's no way. There's no way yeah. that illuminosity will work. Well, regardless, if it is not, that you can <laughs> signal someone, and it's not electronic. It's just a uh, just a mirror. So I think I would go with mirror to escape. If I could have an electronic device and I knew I was going to be trapped on there forever, I would bring like a Kindle and a, that I could charge, and then I would just read books all the time. But that wasn't I'd bring a hot air balloon. Well, you'd be trying to escape then, and that's not the point. Well, escape the saying. wait. Are we on an island? Is that where we are? Yeah, is it it's an a island. Or island. It's an island. No one ever tells me where we are. No, the point well, is we do the tell you. Just don't jungle look island. Yeah. You're on the an island is that also has to avoid the idea of desert island because desert island, you know, you will die within, you know, when the human body shuts down after it doesn't get enough food and water. A jungle island okay. implies that there, there is vegetation, there's fauna and flora and things you can survive off of. 
Okay. okay. Oh, we so lost Jack. Selection is Jack for uh, the How did you know we lost Jack? Because he just sent us a message that we lost him. Where did he send a message? He tried to call back in and it didn't work. I have had that problem myself, so I sympathize. And I still don't know what Jack did that we're directing all this criticism at, but I I don't know what island I'm on either. So, When the Rangers played the Kings, he put up a picture in the open game thread of the Kings celebrating the overtime winning goal that won them the Stanley (laughs) Cup. Like Lundquist, yeah, fully sprawled out. (laughs) All right, burn him. Yeah, burn him. It was a horrible, what a horrible. It wasn't the face down picture, was it? It was the face down picture, but the worst part was it was was the face down picture from an angle of which you could see the Kings mobbing Martinez. Okay, yes. Pterodactyl screech, though. It was like some type of like old primal ancient mating call or like, I don't even know. You always make things. Sexual when they don't need to be. I was well, thinking you know more what? like it was. In ancient times, mating was not sexual. Animal. It was it was necessity. Well, you said mating call. That's uh, true, but a mating call to an animal, there's nothing sexual about having sex. Are we things. still on just, the island? Well, everything is sexual about a mating call. Mating is sex, Joe. <laughs> I understand, but animals don't think of it as sexy. It couldn't be they just more think sexual. Oh my. I stand by Jeff, that. You have to that say, what, what would you bring? Three things that are non-electric powered. To my to island. island. Yeah. Okay. To Beth um, Island. To Beth Island. Beth island. I, oh, um, well, one of them has to be a book. The other one has to be a knife. And then the third one, uh, third one, oh, uh, no, a pen would be dumb, wouldn't it? You wouldn't I mean, have I could, paper, like, draw with then. rocks or something. You're not going to live very long, Beth, on the island. I'm sorry. Oh, matches, matches, matches. I'm bringing matches. And then I'll just keep the fire going all the time. Okay. What do I win? <laughs> uh, I don't think you've uh, won anything. You win maybe, maybe two and a half weeks of life on the island, I would imagine. Maybe. Which ranger would know. last longest on an island? Now that Ooh. is a goddamn question, Beth. Thank you. Uh, oh, God, what a question. Which one of them are hunters? I know. Oh, J.T. Miller. Yeah, although there's that so, amazing story that he told. That is a really good point. Miller, if we, Miller we are, has a deer tattoo, but he's never killed a deer. Oh, that's kind of cute, isn't it, that he never killed a deer? Yeah. And what does he so, hunt for? I mean, I, I, no I think he's not killing a deer, but I thought he hunted. So what the hell is he shooting, or does he just always miss? I imagine birds of some kind or small game. Yeah, fowl, fowl of sorts, small game. Yeah. <laughs> Water fowl. Uh, Water fowl. Uh, Ducks. I, I would but say... Fishes. Wouldn't fishing be more useful than hunting? You'd have to have a yeah, boat, fishing. to get out on the island. I've, I think I've seen Zuccarello and Hagman in a picture holding a fish, or was that just a fantasy of mine? Yeah, did they have a margarita on the other hand? I don't trust either of those. I don't see, I don't see a vocation there in their fishing, put it that way. Zuccarello, I think, would not be a bad choice. I See, I think Zuccarello yeah. would be a bad choice. Because you're a fool. Well, he comes, I think from, Nash would he be... comes from a harsh country. He does. Norway. I think Nash would be too nice to kill anything or anyone. 
Crider could like Hulk kill a lot of animals, I would assume. <laughs> but if JT Miller has hunting experience, I mean, he's never killed a deer, so. My the chances are, of there McDon- being deer McDon- on the island Miller are very slim. My three. I go no, McDonough Miller Zook. You go McDonough Miller Zook. So McDonough and Stefan yeah. were born in the cold winter wasteland of Minnesota. So they'd, they'd have to be high on your list because they already survived to that point. Isn't the island yeah. tropical? Who gets who gets stranded on a snowy island? Well, but I'm saying that if they could handle that rough terrain, they could handle imagine a, a tropical island. Island. All right. Um, Unfortunately, they don't have many people from, like, the Golden Triangle part of the world. You know? Or does Buchnevich, like, uh, who grew up in Russia... Is he just like an animal who just hunted his own food and ran down his own animals? And you don't know. You don't know. You know that survival is a lot. Is a lot less well, about just running that's around a big and change from the enigmatic about. Russian cliche. Now we have the... a lot more about planning and being calm and thoughtful. Yeah. And not losing your mind and just running in circles and, not just and screaming. Like running up to animals and squeezing them to death, like Kreider would <laughs> in your fantasy. <laughs> Finding the nearest tortoise and just squeezing it to oblivion. I still think that was so amazing last night. Who was that that he literally just like boa constrictored into submission? Wasn't that last night? Where Cryer like like a fight. He just like held him in a death grip till the guy melted. Yeah, and he didn't get a fighting major. No, they got a roughing penalty. He like had him in a headlock and then like slowly put him to sleep. Got yeah, the other guy got unsportsmanlike, I think, which was weird. God, I, Maloney I, I, I think was I would laughing go, about it on, on the radio. I would go Miller, Kreider, Buchnevich. I, I just have a feeling Buchnevich is capable no, of a lot of things. Buchnevich kind of a is, dark is a horse in this game. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Russia over soft. First off, Buchnevich doesn't have enough meat on his bones to subsist off his own body fat so long. That's no, true. but maybe that says that he eat, only eats what he can and does not waste the animal. Which would be foolhardy. Uh, uh, listen, on an you don't know he survived to this. How old is he? 21? He you survived to, like, to be 21. You have to jerky out of it, don't you? Or something? Yeah, you have to get, you have to get creative just to crack the bones and get to the marrow. You have to go the whole night. <laughs> Here's what I do know. We would not probably survive very long. Oh, I, I admit that freely. I would lay down. I think very long. Yeah. I would lay down after about forty-five minutes and just be like, "Okay, just can something kill me now, please, so that I can stop this." Yeah, I would just wait for death by hermit crab. Ooh, cra- <laughs> but you can't be killed by a crab at this point. You know they'd all just befriend you and be following you around like ducklings within like a week. We've made enemies with the crab. I have had hermit crabs growing up, but it never lasted long. You hated the enemy with your hermit crabs. Were they better than the neighbor's dog, at least? Yeah, they were. I still remember, like, every summer would be, in one year, like, every summer would be, yeah, Mike, you can have a hermit crab, and they would live for a week. Uh, And all you had to do was, like, they had a little sponge and hermit crab food, and you soak the sponge so they have water. And, you know, you just, like, fish food, like, flaky food. And then you just watch them do nothing but hide in their shell all day. And then if they one day they'd come out of the shell and they'd start to die and sell that. But then one year, 
it didn't die. And it was like September and I was, you know, back from the shore and I was like, what the hell do I do with this thing? It's alive. And so I literally, I was waiting for it to die and hoping it would die. Because I don't, I don't like this take story. Well, that is a real story. And sometimes a horrible story. You, you wish for the death of a of a crustacean. <laughs> I've never had that happen. I'm not proud of this what? story. I would not yeah, be. Not I would not be telling it, but continue. Well, that's well, there's nothing more to say. I took care of it, you know, begrudgingly until until it passed away. And then I was relieved relieved and sad because I realized I didn't really want the hermit crab to die. Oh, see, that had a nice, a nice little ending. My uh, yeah. best friend's mother did not know that birds replace the seed shells once they've eaten a seed and starved three birds to death because she thought that they had full food and they had actually <laughs> eaten all the seeds. That is atrocious. I'm not telling is a it, dead animal story. Is, I don't care if it's not, my turn. This is, is why you won't last long on the island, Beth. Beth, mm-hmm. you have to tell I don't one. Care. No. It's, I'm not no. saying it's funny. It is sad. I, oh, my I, dog's I, family I, looks at me the from the of the room. And it moves us off. I honestly don't know any. Well, I think. Good. You have yet to have an animal in your life that's passed away. No, I have, but they're not stories. Have you eaten they're meat? Animals. Have I eaten animals? Did I, or did I eat any of my pets that passed away? No, I did not. <laughs> Now, I will say this. If you had eaten a pet that passed away, you would survive on the island. You have a, no, that a heart. You would be a monster, but you would absolutely survive. Mike, would you have eaten the neighbor's dog if you butchered it? No, I, I couldn't eat a dog. Just to gain it its just, power? And the craziest thing I've eaten is probably buffalo and then a raw oyster once. I'm not a very adventurous food guy. I love raw oyster. Yeah, I couldn't do it. It was uh, it was not for me. It felt like I was eating someone else's cold. Ew! Oh. What is wrong with you, you animal? Well, you know, this is what happens when we linger too long. Mm, it's true. We are deep into the. Uh... Mike Flem lingers on the uvula. Joe. Deep into the Gilligan's Island episode of the podcast apparently there does anyone know what Gilligan's what? Island is anymore okay yeah, yeah I know I, I, never I, know I was Island. a child but, but a those child. people always had really clean clothes for being stranded yeah. they did they were kind of hot hair. some of them <laughs> it just makes me want us to have some sort of Lord of the Flies scenario with us to see who would laugh I have never read Lord of the Flies and I don't think I ever will <laughs> You never read Catcher in the Rye. Never, and I just don't know. I'm in the middle of the, the Dark Tower, and it is an all-encompassing. You've already established that you're not a very, you're not much of a bibliophile, Joe. Yeah, we talked about your bookcases without books on them, right? <laughs> well, what do you want me to do? I have a Kindle Fire. I don't need bookcases. Okay. But I mean, one would assume that at some point in your life before the Kindle Fire, you might have acquired a book. Uh, perhaps, maybe, mayhaps. Other. But all I ever things. did as a kid was read. It was a sad, sad boy who liked books. I, so shockingly, as a kid, I read a lot, and then I went through a period of time where uh, 
I did not read it all, and then I've jumped back in. I remember feeling weird for enjoying summer reading, and all my brothers and cousins would look at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? And I'd be like, oh, this is great. I had Ender's Game as a a summer reading once, and that was awesome. Got cards? Yeah, I read Ender's Game. It's good. He's a little bit of a weirdo, but... He he was a bit of a weirdo, but you know what? You, uh, You do what you can. I'm a weirdo. You're a weirdo. We're all weirdos. No. Watch your goddamn mouth. Damn. Mike said damn. Damn. I'll pick that up. Like, you want to add to this? Jungle answer what? What am I answering? You're not really answering. You're just adding to this. Yeah, I think we should end the podcast. Don't I really think thinking, we should. I, I think it may have ended itself without it's us. It's like an awkward teenage date at the movie theater, just looking at each other like, do we hold hands? But there's butter on my hands. Why How much butter, butter did you put on it your popcorn? It always comes back to butter, doesn't it? Uh, I don't put luncheon. butter on my popcorn at the movie theater, Joe. Do you jump the counter and demand butter your own popcorn at the movie theater? Uh, I have a movie theater that allows you to uh, butter your own popcorn well, and sorry, I take your advantage. I'm sorry that butter we, the... we all don't get to butter our own popcorn and eat fancy blue apron meals. I butter to the point of no return. There is so much butter on the popcorn that I should be dead almost immediately. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry that we're all not Joe. With a You're bringing butter to the island, aren't you? Uh, maybe. <laughs> and I will say dairy farm to the island. You don't want to be me. <laughs> don't be me. Churning butter all day under the jungle jungle sun. <laughs> Nothing to put it on, just butter. Yeah. I guess you could butter a fish. Or hermit yeah, crab. Absolutely. You really butter or crab. Not butter is made specifically for crabs. Mm. Is that true? Okay. They made butter just for crab shop? You know what, Mike? I am I'm <laughs> done with your nonsense. <laughs> I think this podcast killed itself a few minutes back. Well, you forgot to, to clip in the Jimmy Vesey song, which was, frankly, the pinnacle of your entire life was, was the song. <laughs> and you forgot to make the audio clip of that and play it this week. So I did. <sighs> you know, your brother also told me that he was going to... Uh, that he was going to make a new song for the show, a new introduction. Yeah, but my brother's, my brother's full of shit, so. Well, you better get on that. So no, I am so now no blaming Igor you. the gondolier either? Igor the gondolier. <laughs> he is the gondolier. The really not much. Wait, what rhymes with gondolier? Chandelier. Chandelier. Bondolier. Grenadier. As in one who, one who grenades. Uh, <laughs> oh, a very warlike song. All right, I'm hanging up now. So you guys are going to podcast, but it'll be without me. I'm abandoning you. Abandon us. I do, but I feel like it's time. Also, my beer is empty. Okay. Well, Beth Macklin. Salty tear. Twitter.com. The salty tear of, of a gondolier. <laughs> Mike Murphy, twitter.com slash digdeepbsd. Joe Fortunato is... Don't follow me on Twitter. Follow Mike on Twitter. He's the greatest thing in the world, and this website would not be this website without him. So Jesus he has literally Christ. has changed my life in every oh, positive way. Like he has changed like all of it. our lives for the better. He's I don't become like it. one of my best friends, and I, I cannot imagine the life without him. You have to eat your own feet. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he loves when I give him compliments. It's all gangrene, gangrenous and horrible, and it smells. And he has to find a um, sharp seashell and saw it off one night. Oh, my God, night, you guys. are an animal. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. BlueApron.com slash Blue Apron. Blue Shirt. BlueApron.com slash Blue Shirt. Beth just dropped and she is a whale. Mike called her a whale once and now she's a whale again because she's on the podcast. This is what you get. Don't hang up. All right. Love you all. We're sorry for this. (laughs) Goodbye. This is what you get. Goodbye.